This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. I'm your host this week, Sean Helch, and I'm joined by Dan Gillette and Charlie Ming. Each of us serve in different roles as pastors at Valley Bible Church. And without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. What's up, everybody? Howdy, howdy, howdy. Welcome, guys. Welcome to the Behold Podcast, Episode 3. Um, just for any first-time listeners, let's introduce ourselves so people know who we are. This is Sean Helch. My name is Dan Gillette. And this is Charlie Ming. Yeah, it is. All right. Now they got that out of the way. Uh, man, how are you guys doing? How are you guys doing in your sheltered in places? That I mean, well said? that's well said. Our shelter and placings. Uh, man, the Mings are hanging in there. We're, we're uh, figuring out good routines and uh, figuring out how to, how to do this well. Uh, and man, again, I just feel like this kind of season opens up so much opportunity to reassess time spent, to reassess um, you know, the, the dynamic of our family. And it's been a wonderful process. I think it's been stretching and challenging and kids are not meant to be cooped up for such a long amount of time. But, um, man, I, I, I see the Lord working mightily in the process. So we're doing good. Yeah, that's great. I, I concur with that. The Gillettes are just, everything's just been shaken up. Our whole routine. And and it is good for us. And it's it's a chance for us to hit the reset button. And just, yeah get on board with some new habits and it's just good. It's a good, it's a good challenge for us. And we, the, the nice thing I was just telling someone earlier this week that it's really a blessing and, and a favor from God is we like each other. I, I think yep. there's a yep. lot of families out there that, good. Yeah. that don't, that they don't like being around each other. And this, this is a, a really hard time for them. And, and I'm praying that God will use kind of this forced, you know, this forced family time to really teach some families about how to love each other better and how to be there for each other better. And we're definitely learning that, but I'm just grateful that, you know, my wife and I get along, our kids like each other. We really, it's really a blessing. And let me just say too, we've got great resources uh, at vbc.online. I was just talking to Nate Bayard who oversees uh, spiritual development at the church. And if you go to vbc.online slash classes, there's there's a bunch of stuff popping up there. Um, And I know one of them is on parenting. And and man, we talked through some of the stuff that he is looking at there. And it's great. It's really great content focusing on scripture um, as being the source for how we process life. So uh, if, if any of you have time, take a look. Yeah. And, uh, Last but not least, me and Patty, the Helches, were doing great. Um, How's your cat? <laughs> believe it or not, our indoor cat is made to be inside all day, so she's doing just fine. <laughs> she's not feeling cooped up at all. <laughs> it's great. She's, yeah, she's it. doing. She's doing just fine. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been interesting how much this time, this season, isn't quite looking like what I thought it was going to look like. You know, when we first heard the orders to shelter in place. I was just imagining myself becoming this like hermit of knowledge and having all this free time to like invest in reading and learning and listening and all these things. 
And it just so hasn't been that. I've been so just like pedal to the metal, trying to do different things left and right, do all these different tasks. And they're all great things. But it's just funny how much I'm having to like adjust my expectations in that way. It's like busier now. <laughs> yeah, it truly, Crazy. truly is. Um, but all exciting things and all really positive things. So I'm not complaining. It's just funny how God does that sometimes. Hey, can, um, re- real talk though. Real talk. Taking us a little bit of a different direction. Can I just say, and Charlie, maybe you agree with me on this. I, I just miss live sports so much. Sean, I know you, I, I love you. Well, I, know I, you know. I, I was going to, I was going to ask you actually, speaking of sports, that's one for those of you that don't know, Dan is my best friend, but there's some differences that we have. That's for sure. And one, one of them is I could not care less about sports. Dan, you would not agree. So how are you coping? Oh right my now? goodness. Well, it's been tough. And I know a lot of us are used to our routines and we're missing missing Major League Baseball and, and the basketball season and all the stuff that goes along with the NFL draft. And it's just crazy. But I'm coping by I'm watching a lot of old Packers games, old Green Bay Packers games. It's my favorite team, favorite sport. And it's been actually pretty fun. They uh, NFL Game Pass made their subscription complimentary during this season. And so I'm just every once in a while throwing a game on and it, it kind of tides me over. Charlie, have you have you I know you're a huge A's Oakland A's fan. Have you heard about what Major League Baseball is planning to do in the month of May? I have, and I, I'm not I'm not too sure how I feel about it. I mean, I'm excited to watch games. I'm excited for for that piece, but uh it it still seems to me somewhat counterintuitive. So I, I don't know. We'll we'll see how that plays out. I mean, if there's a oh, if you guys haven't heard, they're looking at doing uh it kind of like an Arizona league where, where all the teams are kind of sequestered into hotels. They don't really get contact outside until it's time to play the game. It's, it's like, like signing it, up for the military. It's like all these no, players no, no. and it's, coaches. It's like, it's like gladiator. Like <laughs> they, they're, they're seriously prisoners <laughs> until it's time to play the game. And it's not it's, even them though. It's, it's, it's the bus drivers and the people that are making yeah. the food and the hotel workers. And it's just thousands and thousands of people that have to stay quarantined for this thing to go on and it's just it's it's crazy it's wild i can't wait to see what happens yeah it'll be it'll be interesting i mean i selfishly will enjoy watching some baseball but you know by the way let me point out uh uh sean referenced dan as his best friend which effectively makes me the third wheel uh on this oh week's podcast gosh. so if you guys want to address me as the third wheel from now on that'd we're be all great. best friends here formerly recant former statements <laughs> and i will revise it as Dan is one of my best friends. Ooh, one of their best friends. Okay, that's fine. I know deep down in my heart where, where my place is, but that's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think technically Patty's my best friend, so there's the real ticket. Fair enough. All right, are we gonna are we gonna do this thing or what? Yeah. So <laughs> a lot of baseball on this podcast about beholding Jesus. I love um, it. I love it. Yeah, maybe we could just really quick talk about um, our own community. You know, I know that a lot of listeners out there. You know, as we're joking and bantering about football and baseball, there's more serious things going on. You know, some people are experiencing financial hardships or health concerns or, you know, relational issues right now. So I'm just curious with you guys, like, how have you seen um, in your little realms right now God's faithfulness in the midst of this situation? Yeah, so one of the things that comes right off the top of my head is just God's been so kind that we haven't had any reported cases of COVID-19 in our church family. Mm -hmm. You think about all the people that we know and are connected with, and 
there ha- we just had a staff meeting on Monday and we may have missed someone. And if we have, please write in and tell us. We, we want to know. We, it's hard for us to know everything. But so far, God has given us incredible favor in just protecting us in that way. And so I think that's one thing right off the bat that is yeah. encouraging. Yeah. That's great. That's really great. Charlie, is there any way that you and Sarah in the midst of all this have been uh, encouraged or just seeing God work? Yeah, I mean, as many of you know, and I, I don't mean mean to beat a dead horse, but Sarah um, has has different complications um, with her health uh, outside the whole COVID nineteen thing, and obviously she has pre existing stuff with her lungs and some other some other areas that we have to be you know extra extra careful. Um, but man, we have been blessed so incredibly first by the the church community. I mean, just Christ's love being on display. Um, through, through, I mean, we probably get three or four calls a week if we need a grocery run or if we need anything, anything that would support us. Um, and so it's been great because I've been able to limit my exposure to outside and, um, and, and man, we're grateful for that. Um, but, but even more so, um, the Lord has just given us so much strength in this season. You know, Sarah's confined to the bed. Uh, she can barely get to and from the bathroom. So, so that adds an element, uh, a difficult element to the kids being home and me trying to get work done and, and just the different things that are going on. Um, and honestly, I'm surprised I haven't cracked yet. And that really is a testament to uh, just the, the grace of the Lord, the strength that he provides. You know, he, he hasn't promised to heal Sarah um, but he has promised to give us strength to endure whatever kind of season we're in. And as this season goes on, and it is a difficult one, um, he has faithfully and graciously followed through on that promise. And we continue to be strengthened as we behold the Savior. I mean, as we look to him for strength, we are receiving that more than we could ever imagine. Um, so we ask that you continue to pray for Sarah, you pray for our family. Um, but man, we have been supported and cared for so much by this community and by our, our God. It's been so great just to just to partner with you guys in that in prayer. Mm-hmm. God's really moved in my personal times of prayer just for for your family, and it, it's just beautiful. And and a lot, I don't know if you guys listeners out there know that. We, we started something new uh, a couple weeks ago with our staff meetings. We, we have a Monday morning staff meeting where we just kind of catch each other up on what's happening in ministry, and we, we talk about what's going on in the life of our church. But we have just instituted a, a separate meeting that is just for prayer. We, we don't even talk at all. We just we get right into prayer, and we pray for stuff that's happening in, with, with our church family. We pray for each other. We pray for stuff that's happening in our community, in our world. And it's been such a powerful time. And it's one of those things that God is doing in this season that I'm confident w- will carry on into the next season when when this this whole thing's over. And it's such like a no-brainer now that we've started doing it. And it's been really powerful. Yeah. So we're praying for you guys, church family. We're we're praying like crazy. Yeah. Uh, thanks for sharing, Charlie. And then I was just encouraged just hearing you speak. And I have been encouraged. Um over the weeks and months, really, of just walking alongside you and Sarah in this time of life, just hearing your heart towards the Lord about it. Um, even right now, you said, you know, God hasn't promised to heal Sarah, but he has promised this and this and this. And it kind of reminds me of what we were talking about last week of just, man, as believers in Christ, we need to be knowing what those things God has promised us. Yep. 
Like right now, he hasn't promised that he's going to end the coronavirus pandemic this week, but he has promised us that he'll be faithful in the midst of that and give us a richness and fullness of life alongside with him that we can enjoy in the midst of those things. Yep. And let me let me just clarify too, that doesn't mean that we stop praying for the end, right? That doesn't mean we don't stop praying for, for Sarah's healing. We, we continue to petition God in that. Um, but through that process, it's it's about looking at what has he promised us and if he does not heal Sarah, does that change his faithfulness? Does that change his graciousness? No it it no doesn't, way. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no way. Uh, and, and so it, it gives us such stability in the midst of such unstable times. Mm. Is it Good. unstable or instable? Unstable. I said that right. Instability. Yes. Instability, but unstable. Good. It's confusing. English is hard. English is hard. Okay, so for those of you that weren't tracking with us on Sunday, uh, Sunday was what we call Palm Sunday, and it's the beginning of what we refer to as Easter week. So this week, throughout the entire week, we're really walking in Jesus' footsteps, his last week on earth before going to the cross, and the events that took place during that week. And we know as Christians that, man, this is an amazing time. This is this is leading up to what we consider the most pivotal moment in history. And on Sunday, David Sunman led us through Luke chapter 23. So, Charlie, do you want to give us just a quick recap to let people know where we are in Scripture? Yeah, so, so let me first say, I, I really do encourage you, if you did not listen or watch Sunday service, go back, vbc.online, you can find them there, um, and, and listen to the teaching from David. Um, or, or at the very least, read through chapter 23. It is just a monumental section of scripture where we see uh, the obedience of Jesus to his father in carrying out uh, a horrific ordeal. I mean, what Jesus goes through, uh, first physically and then on the cross, is is just so profound and, and worth our time and attention, especially during this, this season where we celebrate Easter. Um, but, but what we see is, is Jesus, as he stands before his accusers, as he stands before the, the rulers and authorities of his day, uh, as, as he endures false accusation, uh, uh, unjust pronouncements, as he endures the scorn and the, the mocking and the ridicule, we see the character of our king shining so brightly, his kingly glory on display. I mean, you, you look at the silence that he shows in the midst of, of the, the beating and the torture. As you look at um, the, the words that he speaks in the midst of the allegations that are brought to him. As you look at, at even the forgiveness that he pronounces upon those that are doing this to him, upon the thief at his, his, uh, his side, uh, you see a king who is unlike any other king. And, and that is what's on display, right? Is that the, the crucifixion, it displays his innocent sufferings and his kingly glory. And we have to remember that Jesus, and, and David did a great job of this, Jesus did not go to the cross as a victim. He went willingly. He went with this mindset of obedience to the Father because it was through this process that God would accomplish his promises and his plan for redemption for all humanity. And so so to see the the humility, to see the obedience, to see uh, the service, the forgiveness, um, 
that really is, we are seeing his kingly glory on display. I mean, that's so good. And I love on Sunday when David was describing Jesus's heart during those moments, you know, you just said it yourself, just that how kingly he was. And David kept using this word magnanimous. Magnanimous. Right? Yeah. Which if you don't know, it means magnanimous means to, to be displaying um, like generosity or a sense of forgiveness, but particularly towards someone who is less powerful than yourself. So I just love with that picture of Jesus being so kingly, pairing it with that word that David was saying, magnanimous, that he knew mm-hmm. that he was being, giving out this generosity and undeserved grace to those below him. Um, yeah, it just paints a fuller picture, I think, of what was happening. Yeah, and I, well, right, and that's that's one of the things that I just that just stuck with me is the profound rejection of Jesus and how he how he loves and serves and continues to to maintain that obedience to the Father through the process. You think about Israel, who who has been wait, they've been waiting centuries for this Messiah, centuries, and he shows up and and he demonstrates who he is in in his unparalleled teaching, his divine works, uh, his authority over nature and sickness and death and even physics. I mean, he he demonstrates everything that this Messiah is supposed to be, and yet they still reject him. And and I was reminded of John 1.11 that he came to his own people, but his own people did not receive him. And, and just, man, I've, I've been processing that and my mind has, has continually gone back to one of my favorite passages, Philippians 2, uh, 6 through 8. But at the beginning of that, it, it, it goes into this thing. He says, you, your attitude should be that of Christ. You should have the same attitude, the same uh, action, the same mindset as Jesus, who being in very nature or being in the very form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, he emptied himself, and being found in the form of man, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross. And that's and it's just so, so wonderful what Paul does here. Because even though he's in the form of God, he, he holds the fullness of God in his very being. At the same time, he held the fullness of humanity in his very being, and yet... The people he came to serve, the people he came to save, when they viewed him, they only saw the humanness and they rejected his, his, his godliness. And, and in that rejection, they put him up on a cross, uh, murdered, an, an, an absolutely innocent man murdered. Just that profound rejection, uh, is, is, it, 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 it hits me so hard. Um, and, and yet, it shouldn't come as a surprise. I mean, it is part of life. Even if you recall going back to our Roman series, that is what takes place, right? Um, and just the way Jesus navigated that is we have a very good king. <laughs> totally. Amen. And and you can even see that, what you're talking to Charlie about in the, you know, when we talk about rejection, you, you, you hold that in view of what the events of Palm Sunday, that that Jesus comes in in this triumphal entry and people are are praising him and worshiping him as king as savior but we see that those same people are the ones that are sh- that are shouting crucify him and really what it comes down to is their their expectations of what the messiah 
was going to deliver them from. They expected him to come in and overthrow the Roman Empire and establish this earthly kingdom and and to 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 be kingly in in a way that Jesus did not come to be kingly. He's he's the king that came not to be served but to serve. And that's why I love that that Philippians 2 passage that he humbled himself and became a servant. The creator God left his throne in heaven to to come and be a savior king. And that is is why they didn't do what he what they expected. Jesus didn't do what they expected him to do. And that's where that rejection comes from. And we see the 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 shift from Palm Sunday to to what happened in Luke twenty three. Yep. Yeah, I just I keep coming back and I, I think I mentioned this when I taught Luke twenty two a few weeks ago, but this Jesus by whom everything is created, through whom everything is held together, comes into humanity, comes into his creation to suffer and to die. It is it is just remarkable. It is a love that that I, I don't think we'll ever stop exploring, uh, even into eternity future. Yeah, and we're we're going to be getting into that really in a, in a profound, powerful way on Monday Thursday. So I know a lot of people are geared up for for Good Friday and Easter, but don't miss out on Monday Thursday service at seven p.m. at VBC Online. We're going to be going through just Jesus, His servant heart, and these three significant events that happened on Monday Thursday more than 2000 years ago and how each of those events really points to that. So if you're interested more in that come come back and join us uh, on on Thursday night. It's great. That's good. Yeah, so just as you guys were listening to David speak on Sunday, um besides we just mentioned what what are some of the things that kind of jumped out at you or stuck with you? The thing I've been chewing on really all week is just the amazing account of the thief who is being crucified next to Jesus at that same moment. And the thing that really blows my mind, and David did a great job of this, is just that account really shows us that there's nothing we can do to earn salvation. There's nothing we can do to secure an eternal hope that Jesus offers. Because if you think about it, and he's just hanging there on the on the cross. He he hasn't he hasn't he's not capable of of doing any good work or any religious moral thing. He, all he knows, he he knows very little, but all he knows is that this Jesus guy is is the real deal. And and he just says, just remember me in your kingdom. Just remember me in your kingdom. Yeah, I, I love Dan. Can I just jump in real quick? Please, I please. love, I love that the, the two things that the thief points out is this man is innocent. He recognizes Jesus's innocence and then he recognizes his kingdom. He recognizes that he is a king. You know, those are the two things that we see him, him say, and, and that's it, right? And what does Jesus say? What does Jesus do? He pardons him. Yeah, he pardons him. It, yep. And it, and it, it's so it's such a beautiful picture for us. Because I think especially, for, for, no matter where you are, kind of spiritually. I mean, if you're if you have put your personal trust in Jesus already, and you've been walking with Him maybe for years or decades, 
sometimes we fall into the trap of trying to make it about us and what we do and what we bring to the table. And it's a good reminder for us that, that Jesus offers that salvation, that eternal life as a free gift. And all we have to do is recognize who he is and what he's done. Yeah. And and we don't earn it at all. And that is something that we need to be preaching to ourselves all the time because we're constantly trying to be these these Christian to-do lists, these 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 goody-goody Christian people, and, and we're trying to earn God's favor. And the the account of the thief and the the pardoning, Jesus pardoning him just points that out. And then if you're if you're in a place where you're investigating Christianity or and you haven't put your personal faith in Jesus, it's also just such a clear path for you. <laughs> just can you can you be certain of those two things that, that that thief was certain of? And can you can you can you take that step of faith based on that and then step into everything else that that uh, Christianity and Jesus have to offer? Yeah, I, I, I love it. And I think that I was reading earlier this week uh, in John Stott's the cross of Christ. And I want to share this quote because I think it, it summarizes um, the thief's heart. It, it, it summarizes how we should view um, evangelistic opportunities. Listen, listen to what Stott writes. He says, God could quite justly have abandoned us to our fate. He could have left us alone to reap the fruit of our wrongdoing and to perish in our sins. It is what we deserved, but he did not. Because he loved us, he came after us in Christ. He pursued us even to the desolate anguish of the cross where he bore our sins, our guilt, our judgment, and even our death. It takes a hard and stony heart to remain unmoved by love like that. And I am, I am just convinced that that has got to be our attitude uh, when, when we view those around us who do not know the Savior. Um, you know, I know that there, there's the spiritual gifting of evangelism, but we are all called. We are all gifted. We are all um, uh, uh, moved to be evangelistic in the way that we encounter folks. We want them to understand the love of God. And, and man, I, it really does come from beholding Jesus. When we look at chapter 23 of Luke, we see this, the, the magnitude of his love, the, the, the fierceness of his love. And, and man, that, that will naturally drive us to assume the best of people, even though we know there will be people who reject the gospel, I want to encounter folks with this mindset that that who could be unmoved by this kind of love? Oh man, that's so good. And you're so right that that the message of the gospel without that cornerstone of God's love for us is just fickle. It's just academic and unmoving. Um, and it kind of reminds me of like, you know, as as you examine God's plan for us. And as you examine the gospel and the work that Jesus did, what I love about that is that the more you get into the history of that, and the more you get into God's overarching plan throughout scripture for what would ultimately become the gospel in Jesus, his love isn't replaced by those things. His love more and more so becomes the evident reason for those things. You know, in staff, we've been going through this thing called the bridge analogy, which is a useful tool for sharing the gospel. And Dan, you did a wonderful job sharing the gospel on Sunday. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, praise God. I was grateful for the opportunity. So 
one of the things we've been going over, one of the things that's really helpful about the bridge illustration is it helps people understand the big picture of not only the gospel, but but really redemptive history as, as shown in, in, in all of scripture. I'm, I'm reading this book right now called The Story of Reality by Greg Kokel. And one of the things that he does a great job of reminding us in there is that the gospel and the story of redemptive history does not start with Jesus died for your sins. That's that's the middle of the story. If we try to explain Christianity, which is the story of reality, it's it's the it's the story of of how the world is the way it is. If we try to start with Jesus died for your sins, it's not likely that people are going to understand what we're talking about because they don't know they don't know the the big picture. They don't know the the plot line or the characters. They don't know the the beginning and what 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 led up to that. And so what the bridge illustration does is in a really short, concise, but powerful way, it helps people understand the big picture and, and the whole entire story of the gospel. And so basically it takes you all the way to creation. It starts with God's purpose. And it talks about how that purpose was, was, was there was a problem with that purpose. Sin entered the world. And then it talks about God's remedy, his solution for that, and our response. And it just kind of walks through this this uh this beautiful story of of redemptive history and the visual component of it is i mean you've probably seen it before maybe maybe you haven't but it's you know the beginning of creation god's purpose god and man are in perfect uninterrupted intimate relationship sin enters the world and it fractures that and so there's this chasm and and there's nothing we can do to to cross over that chasm None of our efforts or none of our morality or religion can ever cross over that that gap. That's where Jesus comes in. And that's what we we've been talking about is, is he stepped into that mess and he took on he took on the 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 the, the death and the judgment that our sin created. And he made a way for us to cross over. And all we have to do is receive that in faith and we get to walk across and, and have that relationship restored. And so what we've been doing in staff meeting is, is just practicing that. And at first it, it was, it felt kind of silly or, you know, Gary Darnell had us doing it. It seemed like a silly amount, but I have had so many great opportunities with my unsafe friends and neighbors. And even just what happened on Sunday, I really drew on that experience. And so that's something that maybe we can encourage folks to do at home is, is to just practice the you know walking through it even even with your with your spouse or your children or with someone over Zoom and what we can do is there's a there's a packet that we can link to in our show notes and you guys can take a look at that packet and work through it it'll it'll, get, it'll go into a little more detail and then you can practice doing it quickly or maybe you know different lengths because sometimes we only have a minute or two to talk to people, right? Other times we've got a whole we got a whole meal we can share and, and we can get really in depth, and that's what's great about the bridge analogy is it is it gives a lot of flexibility. So, yeah. Well, and one of the, one of the things that Gary had us do in staff was uh, uh, to do it in thirty seconds, to do it in a minute, and I think we had one day where we tried to do it in thirty seconds, and it really helps you just get to the bare bones of what the gospel is. Again, not. Not because we're trying to establish some formulaic way of doing things, right? It's always about relationship. But when we have a clear understanding 
of the the key pieces of the gospel. And we can convey those key pieces in an understandable way in a minute. Um, We are so much more equipped to to have those evangelistic encounters with folks. Absolutely. Um, And Dan, as you were speaking, um, a bit unrelated, but it it made me think of something that David said on Sunday, which was the the day of atonement. And in just thinking about you know, you describing God's redemptive history and what his, his plans and intentions over thousands of years got me thinking about the day of atonement. And Dan, you and I last year were in Indianapolis for a gospel coalition conference. And we listened to a teaching from uh, HB Charles and he talked about the day of atonement in a way that has just stuck with me since then. And I think about this often when thinking about God's faithfulness throughout Scripture and across thousands of years, um, of just that progression of what atonement looked like. You know, in the, in the Old Testament, God told his people to sacrifice animals or lambs in place of their own sin. And it's just amazing seeing that progression. Because, you know, in the beginning, there was a lamb for a person. And then in Exodus, whole families were skipped over by the Passover blood on their, on their door frames. And then after that, for the whole nation of Israel, the high priest would make a sacrifice and on the day of atonement, it would cover over the sins of the entire nation of Israel. And then finally, like you were just saying, Dan, the culmination of all of that, when Jesus came to the earth, John saw him and I'm reading to you out of John one, he looks at him and he says, behold, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And it's just amazing thinking about that and how over those thousands of years, that plan was there. Like you just said, Dan, Jesus coming wasn't the beginning of the plan. It was the answer and the end of the plan. And that's exactly that. that, That's exactly it. And that, that is such a more powerful and coherent and effective way of, of talking about the gospel and talking about the cross and the events that we are celebrating and commemorating this, this Holy week, this Easter week to take somebody through that to to give them the big picture and and the plot line, you know, in Greg Kokel's book, he talks about sharing the gospel with people like like when you're doing a puzzle and you look at the cover of the box, right? If you if you see that picture all assembled and put together, it helps you understand where the pieces fit, and that when it comes to talking to people about our faith is so essential. Yeah, thank you, Dan. Um, so let's transition a little bit. So some of you may already be doing this, but if not, I'm going to remind you, on Sunday, David encouraged us to be setting alarms in our phones for 3 p.m., which is the ninth hour, and using that time to read through Luke 23, to be reminding ourselves of what Jesus went through and experienced. Um, but just on that note, maybe we should talk about just what that ninth hour looked like and what happened during that time. Yeah, and I think, I think it's important to note, it's, it, it's the sixth hour, so noon to the ninth hour, three o'clock, that darkness came over the entire land. I mean, there there is something significant about how creation responds to whatever is going on within that three-hour window. Um, if, if you don't mind, before we really kind of look at the Luke passage, can I read the same account from Matthew 27? I think that it, it gives it. us some great insight. It says, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them 
at once took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see if Elijah comes to save him. And then here we get to some good stuff here. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and he yielded up his spirit. And it's that same thing of commending or committing his spirit. And then verse 51 says, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. There is something just magnificent happening in terms of how creation responds to what is taking place um, on the cross during, during those three hours. And I'm convinced that it's during those three hours, if not the entirety of those three hours, that we see God pouring the sin and the wrath and the judgment upon his son. And that's why he cries out in that loud voice, why have you forsaken me? What, what is, you know, he, there, there's this moment of desperation because that unity, that, that relationship is split in that moment because God has made him who knew no sin to be sin. That is amazing, Charlie. Amazing. And one of the things that st- stuck out to me and, and David did a great job of, of talking about this, but when Jesus breathed his last, there was this earthquake and one of the things that happened during that time too was the the veil in the temple that separated the holy of holies from from everything else tore it tore um, from top to bottom in this really miraculous way, and what that represents for us is this um, this new access that we have to the Father through Jesus, and there's so many great passages to read in in Hebrews, you know Hebrews four, uh, Hebrews ten where where the author just talks about, okay, so what are the implications of, of this veil being torn now? And we have this, this confidence with assurance through the blood of Christ, through his, his body broken, that we can have access to God through prayer um, to get grace to help and to receive mercy in our time of need. And I'm just so grateful, especially in, when we're going through uncertain times like this, that we we have that kind of access to to God the Father through Jesus and that Jesus ever lives to intercede on our behalf. And that, again, we're talking about Jesus as king. He sits on a throne, but his throne is a throne of grace. Yeah. And so we can come and, and get what we need. Like Jesus, he gets that we're weak. He gets, he empathizes with with our our nature as as humans, that we're we're frail and flawed, but but Jesus never gave into that. And so he's perfectly positioned to be our advocate. And so this is just an amazing invitation for us to approach God's throne daily, moment yeah. by moment, and just get that grace to help. Yeah, that we can Amen. that we can access him with confidence and boldness. We don't we don't have the same words as Isaiah, right? When he says, "Woe to me, I am a man of unclean lips." I'm undone. Like th- this is it. I cannot be in in this presence. But now because of what Jesus has done, because that that curtain metaphorically has been torn, also literally has been torn, we now have unrestricted access and we don't have to go with our tail between our legs. We don't need a priest anymore. No. You know, we we we're yeah, we can go right in and and that is that should really just blow us away. It should blow us away and it should it should impact how we how we live. So this this may be a great time to jump in. We got a listener question that kind of pertains to the ninth hour. So let's listen to that and then discuss it real quick. Hey, thanks for taking my question, you guys. This is Joel. Um, 
My question is, in Luke 23, talking about the death of Christ, did the father really turn his face away from Jesus? And also, what does it mean that Jesus commit his spirit into the father's hands? Thanks. And let me jump, let me jump in on the first half, if that's okay. Can I take, take can I take that? Um, uh, so, so yes. I mean, it's short answer is yes. Um, uh, again, he made him who knew no sin to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. There's something so significant that takes place there. But listen, if you want a more in-depth answer, please tune in to our Good Friday service. What time is that at, guys? It is at 6 p.m. 6 p.m. this Friday. Um, and 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 listen listen to what Gary has to say. He'll be sharing from 1 Corinthians, from Galatians, from these different places that talk about Jesus becoming a curse on, on our behalf and what that looks like. And man, I, I am, I've heard little bits and pieces from Gary about where he's going. And I am so confident that we will all be just astounded and encouraged by the incredible grace that God shows through turning his, his face away from his son and what that means. So please listen. It's going to be great. Yeah. Thank you, Charlie. Um, and on the second part of that, you know, the into your hands, I commit my spirit. Um, I think it's important to understand Jesus's heart here. I think it's important to understand what was going through his mind as he was saying these words. And he's actually quoting um, out of Psalm 31 there. And as you're hearing this, understand that that Jesus has the full knowledge of Scripture. You know, even though I'm only going to read a few verses out of this, I encourage you listeners at home to spend some time reading through Psalm 31 in its entirety. And through that, just have it help you understand what was going through Jesus' heart as he quotes these things coming from David's heart. So here's the first five verses of Psalm 31. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. And for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net they have hidden for me. For you are my refuge. Into your hand, I commit my spirit. For you have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. So, man, just kind of hearing that little chunk of Psalm 31, um, with that in mind, like, Charlie, give us some insight on what Jesus was feeling in those moments. Yeah, well, and I think you, you already touched on it, Sean, but just this this idea, like, when Jesus quotes this this passage from the Psalms, he's not just thinking about one sentence. I, I'm, I'm convinced that he, he has this whole thing in mind. And, man, it really does demonstrate what the attitude and heart of Jesus has been throughout his entire ministry in terms of, nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but your will be done, right? I commend myself to you. I commit myself to you. But there's something significant about this one because it's in this moment that he is giving up the ghost. It's in this moment that he is he is surrendering what has taken place. And you, we see in other gospel accounts, Jesus says the phrase, it is finished. What is finished? What he is doing when he commends himself, commits himself to the Father, is he's saying, I have come and I have accomplished everything you sent me to accomplish. I've done it faithfully. The plan is continuing. We are, we are true to our promises. And now through this, millions will come to right relationship 
because of this, because of, of my obedience, because of what I have walked, because of what we have instilled, what you have promised. Uh, it's just, it's incredible. Thank you, Charlie. And hopefully that answers your question, Joel. And for anyone else listening that maybe wants more information on that issue, um, we just encourage you, like Charlie said, to virtually attend, to watch online the Good Friday service this Friday at 6 p.m. where We will talk more in depth about that. Uh, we are getting ready to sign off on this week's Behold podcast. Um, but do either of you have any last words, wisdoms, or things in your heart that you want to share before we get off? Yeah, well, I was just I was just reading this morning in 2 Corinthians 4, and Paul's talking about us having this treasure of the 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 light and glory of God in the face of Jesus and in and, and his gospel. And I love in verse eight that he says, Man, we we are we're afflicted in every way, we are crushed, we're perplexed. Um, but we're not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. And um, there's, there's a hope that we have um, just as we, as we continue to talk about um, the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, there's a hope that we have because of that. And it, and it far outweighs any, any suffering that we're going through right now. And so my encouragement to us is just, just echoing what Paul says here, he says, do, do not lose heart. He says, even though your outer self might be wasting away, your inner self is being renewed day by day. And so just keep keep your eyes on the hope of the resurrection and what that means for you now and what that means uh, in, in the, the hope that we have for eternity. And let's just keep um, fixing our eyes on that eternal weight of glory. That's great. And I, yeah, let me just piggyback for my final thoughts. Uh, besides this, I love y'all uh, so much. And we we are praying for y'all. We know that this is just a weird time. So please know um, that you, you, you hold a very special place in our hearts as part of the, the VBC uh, church family. Um, Absolutely. But, but too, yeah, Sunday's coming, guys. And, and right. like Dan said, we are going to just focus on on our victorious risen savior that that the victory that he has secured um for us is is so profound in the way that we uh tackle the the difficulties of life how we interact with the joyful wonderful times of life we recognize that it's 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 a time to to express gratitude i mean he is is victorious. The grave could not hold him. And man, yes. we are going to be focusing on that this coming Sunday. So I encourage you guys uh, in preparation for Sunday and in preparation for next week's podcast to be reading through Luke 24, in addition to Luke 23, as you were um, prompted to by David this, this past Sunday. That's so good. Thank you, Charlie. And uh, yeah, my last word of wisdom. Um, you know, I'm going to do a little throwback to John the Baptist that like we were talking about earlier. You know, he was in the physical presence of Jesus and Jesus approached and he had a reaction. And us, as followers of Christ, we can see Jesus too. We can behold him now. And so this is my encouragement to you listeners out there throughout your week this week. Would you be spending time reading God's word, spending time in prayer with him? And in that time, I'll take some liberties here, behold the Lamb of God who has taken away the sins of the world. Amen.
Thanks for listening, guys. We hope that this has been an encouragement and a blessing to you. Just a reminder that this week there is Maundy Thursday, Good Friday service, Easter sunrise, and then 10 o'clock Easter service. Go to vbc.online slash Easter for details for all of those services or to watch them online. Thanks again for listening, guys. Have a great week, and we will catch you next week. Sunday's coming. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.